Hi, I'm Hannah, team manager of the Orange Arrow Players Association, a nonprofit organization with the mission of coaching student athletes to aim for success off the field. Have you heard the news? Orange Arrow is turning 10. Please consider giving a monthly donation of $10 for 10 years of OA at www.orangearrow.org. Make sure to also subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on social media to see how we're celebrating. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Inside the Play Call with Orange Arrow, and I'm your host, Sean Robinson. And today we have a very, very special guest, my guy, Dr. Rich Milner. What up, Doc? How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. It is great to be with you, Sean. Honored to be able to uh, to spend some time and talk with you today. Man, totally, man. It's uh, As always, man, thank you for your time. Time is our most valuable asset. I really appreciate you joining the podcast. And so let's get right to it. You ready? I'm ready. I got a couple warm-up questions. So, Rich, if you could only listen to one musical artist for 30 days straight, their entire catalog, only need one, boss, only need one, who are you selecting? I'm going to go with a group instead of one artist. I'm going to go with like old school Commodores. Ooh, okay, okay. That's a Lionel Richie's group, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Very nice, very nice. I got a funny Lionel, it's not Lionel Richie, but but his hit song, All Night Long, All Night Long. So one of our, as you know, um, um, longtime supporters is Hall of Famer great Franco Harris. So he did a fundraiser for us, uh, Super Bowl weekend in South Beach, because uh, he does this event every year around the Super Bowl. But he actually got on the mic and sung that song all night long. It was hilarious. I got to see you the video, man. It was pretty cool. Pretty hey, cool. I don't think I would have been there singing with him, but I would have been dancing, though. There it is. There it is. The Commodores. I love it. I love it. So, Rich, what is your favorite TV show of all time to this day? And if an episode came on, you could watch it. Yeah, you know, I think I would say uh, Good Times. I thought, Ooh, yeah. Good Times. Da, 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 da. I don't think I know all the lyrics, but I know the tune, though. Good Times, though. Why Good Times? Well, I mean, I like Good Times because I, I, I like the fact that I, you know, I admire this notion that, uh, that it demystified or it disrupts this idea that one has to have means or a family has to have, you know, you know uh, extravagant resources to uh, to be happy, right? There are assets in every community. And I also like the family unit, right? So a strong mother, strong father, you know, children thriving, they love each other. Um, so, uh, you know, not to get too deep, I, I certainly enjoyed and enjoy, uh, you know, that, that show. Dynamite, dynamite. <laughs> right. Right. So Rich, Last one more question. If you could have any superpower, which superpower would you select? You know, I probably would select uh, the capacity to to read minds. You know, Ooh, I'm with you there. I'm with you. You know, I think you know it's fascinating to kind of hear what comes out of people's mouths, but we know there's a direct impact, a direct um, relationship between what people are thinking, their belief systems, and so forth, and what they actually say. Uh, so, you know, that's what that's I think a mind reader. I wouldn't mind being a mind reader. Yeah, I, I think we're on the same page there. I would, when I think about that question, 
that's one of the answers that come to mind for me. But also, I think about it like when I get tired of it. But you know what? If I had the ability to turn it on and off, I think I'll be okay. I don't want every, every, everybody's thinking every single second. But if I, right, I turn it on wanna, and off. I don't think I want to know what my parents are thinking, right? <laughs> like, or like even my children as they grow older. Like, I mean, hey. much went. <laughs> I'm sure I don't want to know what they're thinking about about me and, and other things happening in life. But uh, I, I think that would be, you know, kind of a super, a, a nice power to have to be able to, to control and turn it on and off when I needed to. Definitely. So speaking of your parents, man, take us back. Hometown, where you're from, early beginnings, interests. Take it away a little bit, young rich. Yeah, you know, I was, uh, <laughs> I grew up in a rural community uh, in uh, Griffin, Georgia, which is a small community right outside of Atlanta. And uh, grew up with my, uh, with with the household with my with my mother, my father. Uh, I have an older sister and an older brother, so I'm the baby of the family. And my my parents are blue collar workers. My my father drove a forklift for many many years at General Motors, uh, and uh, for you know forty plus forty six forty seven years. My dad, my mother owned a beauty salon, so she was a, a beautician for many years, and. Um, Although she, uh, you know, was a hairdresser, she also uh, owned the owned the business. So I got a chance to see her, uh, you know, build her business and support the community, but also hire, you know, her, uh, two of her siblings and you know other people in the community. Uh, I played high school football. Uh, that's not, I played football early on. I was a uh, I wasn't very good, I would say, Sean, but I, I was good enough, you know, to make that. Good enough, good enough. And I, <laughs> but I, I also had, you know, I played, you know, little league football, little league baseball, little league basketball. I think I was one of those kids where my dad was like, you know, I'm going to try anything and eventually it might be the quiz bowl. <laughs> but, <Right. laughs> but uh, you know, I tried, I enjoyed it. And then eventually, uh, I think it was my sophomore year of, of high school, I just, my interest just shifted and I put it, I started to put more of my uh, emphases and my energies, uh, you know, towards other things like, you know, civic clubs and mm. uh, I became, I got more serious about my academics. I was always a fine student, yeah, uh, but not, you know, I, I certainly was not a A plus student, right? I did, I did, I did fine, but my parents had high expectations of, of me, but they, also didn't pressure me to the degree that I, uh, you know, I couldn't make mistakes and, you know, that kind of thing. So I think also because I was the, the last of the three children, I think they were just kind of at a place where they uh, were like, we're going to do the best we can. And we, you know, this kid is going to gonna probably be okay. Um, but great family structure, you know, yep. uh, dedicated uh, family, uh, great siblings, um, and uh, you know, I grew up in a fine community of folks who, with educators who saw the saw my potential, coaches who saw my potential, pe people who pushed me, uh, you know, and so forth. And so I've known you for some time now, a few years now. Uh, definitely can see you afraid you, my brother. What I did not know though, you're the baby. I'm so the you're baby. the youngest of three. So so, my question to you is, do they still treat you like you're the baby? You know what's interesting about this, and my, my children actually made this observation, and they make this observation quite often. I have been the quote unquote boss of the family for many, many, many years. So although my siblings are 
six and eight years younger than I, uh, I would say probably since I was, I graduated from probably, probably early college years. Uh, I've always sort of been in charge of, of, uh, of where we go for, for Christmas, what we're going to, okay. What we're going to do for holidays, uh, what we're going to, how, how we're going to take care of things with my, with my parents, right. Who are, who are, you know, getting older. So, uh, I have always sort of taken on that role, if you will. Yeah. Um, so, and I think that's just sort of been because I, I have a business sense, I guess, not business as in, you know, market-based business, but business like it, as in, I'm no nonsense when it comes to particular kinds of things. And, yeah. uh, so yeah, 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 yeah. I I, I kind of I'm kind of the boss. I'm the baby, but I'm the I'm a boss baby, you know. Boss baby, let's go, let's go. <laughs> In the let's go. Yeah. That's hilarious, man. You said boss baby because, as you know, you know, I, I, I'm new to fatherhood, and I recently right. watched on Netflix Boss Baby, man. So I like I was really <laughs> into it now. So I'm actually excited uh, for fatherhood to be able to see the kid movies and be cool. So as he gets older, man, to go to movie theater and see the, the latest kid movies, I can't go by myself. You know, I'm like, what's this grown man being there by himself? But now I got my little one, my, my guy, Max. I can watch the Boss Babies and all the new movies that's coming out. The only thing I would say is take a nap before you go because my children will tell you that I have great intentions when we go. And I'm a, I'm a movie you know, guy too. I love going to the movies in general. And that's one of the things that my daughters and I have enjoyed over the years. But they would probably tell you 80% of the time I fall asleep in the movie. Do you? Wow, that's a high percentage. <laughs> 80%, man. So uh, that's something to think about. The uh, Rim, going to the movies, man, do you have a tradition going? Like for me, man, I have a little, little quirk, man. I have a thing for popcorn and Kit Kats. Bro, like uh -huh. I would go by Target, a giant eagle somewhere to get a Kit Kat right before the, the movie theater starts. Because oftentimes they don't sell Kit Kats at the theater. So anything that, that, that you that you uh, tr traditionally like to do when you go to movie theaters with your girls? Well, I was just say, Sean. First, the first thing is that uh, you're not supposed to be uh, smuggling food, taking food in the movie. <laughs> yeah, you can give yourself up up about that. But uh, right, hey, hey, this is a safe space, man. We family, y'all. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a popcorn guy, right? So I uh, enjoy, uh, in fact, there there are nights when I'll eat popcorn for dinner. You know, that's my, you know, that's my go-to. So popcorn and uh, I have, uh, since I don't drink a lot of carbonated, you know, I don't drink a lot of sodas, but when I do the movies, I will get me a, you know, a, a Dr. Pepper, you know, and a big thing of popcorn, sit and and I'll buy, I'll get the girls whatever they want. My right. daughter as well when we are um, we're at the movie. So, you know, that's a that's a special time. And I and here the only the, the one of the, the bad parts is if you buy the large popcorn, they'll refill it for you, right? So imagine two of those big tubs of popcorn. Yeah. Uh but yeah, that that's our that's our ritual. We'll we'll do that and uh and kind of hang out and, and watch watch shows together. Last popcorn question. Are you getting the butter halfway? You know, very little butter. I'm not okay. A big, little butter, okay. Yeah, a uh, little bit of sodium. Put a little salt on it, but I don't. Uh, I'm not over. Like I just enjoy the texture of the, of the of, you know, the popcorn and uh, and you know, girls don't like a lot of butter because they don't like it on their fingers, their hands. So we, uh, you know, we usually share it. So it actually probably helps me, you know, with the 
with the with in terms of the, the calories and, and, and so forth. Right, right, right. Diggy, so outside of Atlanta, Griffin, Georgia, Atlanta Braves fan, Falcons fans, talk about your sports interests and maybe some of your sports heroes. I know you play youth sports, so speak to that a little bit. Yeah, you know, I uh I'm really more of a college football uh person. So I I I did my graduate work at the Ohio State University in OH IO all day. Uh and I uh and that was a really good experience for me. It was I met some of the most um some of the kindest people, some of the brightest people, some of the most genuine, altruistic folks I think uh I've ever met in my life uh at the Ohio State University. And in a lot of ways, my mentors, Gail McCutcheon and uh, Anita Wolf McCoy and Tyrone Howard and uh, Peter Demerath and all those folks, Cynthia Dillard and Bob Ransom, those people, and I wanted to call their names because they made a, a difference in my life, you know, and had it not been for my experiences at Ohio State, at the Ohio State University, I certainly wouldn't uh, likely be on this call with you. Uh, you know, I grew up in the SEC, right? So, uh, <laughs> But but moving to to Ohio State, I uh, quickly immersed myself in the Big Ten and and you know that worked. My my dad, poor thing, like we both have been Falcons fans the majority of our lives. So but we had season tickets like back in the day, you know when we were when the Falcons were really really bad, right? <laughs> so uh, when Michael Vick, uh, you know joined the joined the team. And the Dirty Birds sort of, you know, that we, we, we started trying to put our, our names on the, on the map a little bit. Uh, yep. we, we, we gathered more enthusiasm around that. I, my grandfather, who is 94, by the way, and I would just add, he doesn't take any medications. He, uh, his mobility is outstanding. Uh, I'm hoping I, I get his, I have his genes uh, in, a, in a serious way, <laughs> in a serious way. But he he is um, he watches baseball. He watches the Braves. He's a a really um, solid fan. Uh, my dad has taken him to some you know to some games and so forth. I've never been a big baseball uh, person, but I do uh, enjoy football. My wife actually is a big NFL fan, so you know she's serious about our Titans and, and you know and uh, but my you know my preference really is. Um, is uh is is college football college football very nice very nice so after high school what happened what was next yeah so after high school i uh i went to an hbcu uh south carolina state university uh and that was an outstanding experience in orangeburg south carolina uh it was so important for me to uh to attend an hbcu because it uh first of all the institution and my educational experience experience, I would say was like the best, right? I I was an English major, you know, Dr. Sarah Favors and, and Dr. Mary Cassidy and Dr. Tom Cassidy and Dr. you know, Dr. Powell and uh, you know, I, I had the best English professors ever. And they introduced me to to you know writers and, and reading that really uh was transformative in my life and in my experience uh so I went to south carolina state majored in english taught um majored in english uh uh went on to get a master's degree in, in uh, education in english ed 
uh, after, and that was all at South Carolina State, did that all in five years. Uh, and then after that, I started teaching in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, I taught high school English. And, um, you know, that was, those were trying times for me, right? Because- <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, guys. I got a question. So she starts talking about high school English, but go ahead. Trying times, and yeah. I got a question. Well, it was just a, it was a trying time. I had brilliant students, um, and uh, you know they pushed me. It it, it was the, that was that entree into understanding that it didn't matter how much English or how much literature I wanted to expose them to. Uh, I had to understand that I was I was working with people learning English. I was working with with young people grappling with a range of, 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 of challenges, but also who were brilliant and brought in so many, you know, insights from which I had to learn from and, um, and respond to, right? Uh, so uh, it, was, it was one of those, it was one of those pivotal moments in my life, right? That I, I count as uh, certainly a blessing and certainly what I, what I needed to, to, um, to get better, you know, to get better. So I spent some time in the classroom, more so middle school, elementary, middle school. So not as much high school. Um, but when you think about your time as a high school English teacher, what's the moment that you can share that comes to mind? Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, so many moments. Uh, I, I remember uh, just, the the I'm just one moment I'm trying to think if I can just recall one moment. There are uh, there was a moment when uh, one of my students would come to class, um, uh, you know, consistently late and consistently, uh, you know, with attitude and and it's a bit of a challenge. Uh, and you know, as a new teacher, I didn't understand. I was just like, oh, you know, you know, this 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 student just is being disrespectful. He doesn't want and uh and he was walking, I was in a mobile, I'll never forget, I was like one of those trailers outside of school. And he was walking out uh, of the class one day, and he was the last one to walk out, and he just sort of stopped and just said, you know, I know you think I'm show I'm showing up and I'm I'm not. Um, doing what I'm supposed to do because I'm, I don't care. Right? But he was like, what you really don't understand is that, you know, I got a lot of stuff going on. I'm taking care of my mom. She's sick. You know, it was just one of those moments where uh, he was being performative in front of his friends every day, you know, like joking, uh, trying, well, I felt like derailing the, the, the content and the classroom space. Uh, but but I had not done the work and I and I claim it like as the as the I take all of the you know the the blame like I I had not done the work to peel back and ask the perhaps the most important question which is why why are things as they are right and that was, that was one of those pivotal moments where you know this kid who was you know five foot eleven five um, you know uh, almost a foot taller than I at that time, you know, was uh, was essentially being vulnerable and like, yeah. look, dude, like I I know you think I don't care, but you don't know me. You don't you don't understand what I'm grappling with. You don't understand what my life is like, right? And 
uh, and that was a, that was an opportunity for me to uh, it was a teachable moment for me, but it was certainly an opportunity for me uh, to to see him as an individual and to really uh, try to be responsive to him. It also was an op opportunity for me to really think about how uh, I engage and, and 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 think about and grades and all of that, right? So, you know, this this student had a lot of assignment, a lot of missing assignments, uh, but he understood the content, right? And so it was like one of those moments where I was like, do I do I grade this student in the exact same way that I grade a, another student or other students who are not taking care of their mother, right? Who are not grappling with it. He told me some other things that I won't share. Uh, and and that was that was one of those moments, but I stood up and I was like, nope, I'm gonna be a different kind of teacher, right? Um, so he had been in the same grade, he had been, this was his, I taught English. So he had been in English one for three years. So I, my, my year was his third year not having passed and they had to pass English to be promoted to the next grade. So he passed, right? Uh, I often think about and wonder what happened, you know, um, but that was one of those moments, right? Yeah, that, that, that's really good. I mean, you said it, it, that's a truly a teachable moment or a, a coachable moment. It's a life lesson, especially as, as educators to, to think about you know, the young people or, or the adults we work with as people first. And, and when, 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 when actions doesn't seem to be aligned with, with, the, uh, with the norms, like check in, how are you? What's okay. going on? Um, because like you said, you never know as you start to peel back those layers what people are, are, are dealing with that, that, that sometimes they just need people that someone asks, how can I help? How are you? Or just be able to talk about it. And so that's, a, that's, that's really strong because one of the things we, we share with the college students when they're training, we're training them to work with the, the young people, the grade school students, is that um, so, some of the, um, the education moments is that you have a student that's having issues, behavior issues, is struggling that day have somebody pull them to the side to have a conversation with that person check in what's going on how you doing because we need you we, we need you in this way is there something that that we can help you with um as opposed to just immediately writing them off like that person is not don't want to be here want to be engaged but they may be dealing something they may be hungry uh they may be taking care of, of a sick parent or things of that nature so thanks for sharing that that's that's a strong teachable moment right there absolutely absolutely i would also add just like in this moment sean of uh, what we're grappling with, especially with mental health, yeah, and, and you know psychological safety, and uh, I think we there there are there are moments where we're going to have to we as adults, as coaches, as 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 professors, as advisors, or whatever, we're going to have to be much 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 more intentional about checking in on the the mental and the psychological health uh, of 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 each other, but also uh, especially young people with whom we're working. And I, I can't stress enough the importance of helping uh, adults understand what it means to do that work. So we're not, I'm not saying we have to be clinicians and, and, and social workers and counselors, but we've got to build a muscle. We've got to build a skill set to be able to identify when young people are actually uh, going through mental and psychological strain because you're not going to get the best, and I don't speak in definitive language often. I'm a scientist, uh, but I try to substantiate what I, you know, what I say. But you're not going to get. You tend, you're, you're likely not going to get the kind of outcomes you want on the field, the kind of outcomes you want in the classroom, 
kind of outcomes you need in relationships uh, if people's you know mental and psychological health is not where it needs to be, right? So it's not something you do uh, or something we engage in on the margins. It in fact has to be, uh, I would argue, Jermaine's uh, central salient to the other work we do. Yeah, that's really sure. I wholeheartedly agree. And so we deal with athletes. We speak about mental health and also we put the lens of mental performance. And so, so putting that, that, that sports angle to it, but to, but to your point, then check it in. And we got to be, you know, social worker or, uh, you know, clinically trained in it. Um, but, but it's the ties ran. I and mean, it's something that has to be a, uh, a priority. You have to be intentional about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so Rich, you're my guy. I mean, we could talk all day, every day, um, yeah, sure, any day. but, 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 but for the sake of, for sake of time, I'm going to fast forward you a little bit. So you got your PhD from the Ohio State. I'm gonna pause there. So is it a prereq? Do you have to say the in front of Ohio State every time you say it? Absolutely. If, if you don't say the, then you're really being uh, disrespectful and you don't understand the history and the importance of that place, right? So <laughs> I would argue that yes, you must uh, include the in front of Ohio State University. So the Ohio State, let's fast forward to where we met. City yeah. of Pittsburgh, the University of Pittsburgh. So first, what brought you to Pitt? And then let's talk about your time at the University of Pittsburgh. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, I taught uh, after graduating from South Carolina State University with bachelor's and master, master's, taught high school English, moved to the Ohio State University. Uh, I had I did not teach a lot a long time in, in South Carolina, but I immediately yearned to want to teach. So I started while I was working on my doctorate. I was uh, actually teaching at a community college. So I was teaching developmental studies at a community college, and I was working with first year students who uh, were struggling to uh, to pass the the reading and writing portion of the entrance exam for college. So in a lot of ways, I was I was working with I felt like I was working with high school seniors uh, because they were you know uh, early earlier in their in their work and so that was that allowed me to continue to build you know knowledge in the area uh, as well. Ohio State was as I mentioned earlier was was incredible. Uh, you know I learned about research. I was able to couple that with all of the readings I had done. Um, you know many Black American writers. You know reading uh, every, everybody from Langston Hughes to, you know, outstanding poetry to uh, Nicka Giovanni to uh, Zora Neale Hurston to, I, it was just to James Baldwin, like reading deeply as an English major, but being able now to, in education, to be able to understand the applied nature. So to really be able to understand not only uh, <clears throat> the practical side of, 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 of teaching, but also understanding what it means to conduct high quality research. And, you know, one of the things that I would add, uh, Sean, is like, I, I really am a writer more than anything, right? Mm. So what I enjoy doing more than anything is uh, I enjoy writing. Like if you give me, you, you know, if you give me an opportunity, to, if, you, if I could choose anything, speaking, uh, teaching, researching or writing, writing would be the thing that would be the, the, uh, 
the uh, the sort of uh, area of vocation that I, that I would that I would select. Uh, so after after the Ohio State University, I uh, started my career at Vanderbilt University, and I was at Vanderbilt for eleven years. Uh, Vanderbilt is in Nashville, Tennessee. I was in uh, in, in ed school, Peabody College. Peabody is always ranked well, very high, highly, uh, and I. At some point, I became the first Black person to earn tenure and promotion. Mm. Uh, and, um, and so at, at Vanderbilt, and so I was there for 11 years. And then I moved to, I was recruited to the University of Pittsburgh. And when I moved to the University of Pittsburgh, um, I was recruited to direct and really relaunch their Center for Urban Education at the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, and um, it was it was it was incredible. It was yeah. it was it was life changing. It has been life changing for my life and my career. And so, before you moved to the uh, to Pittsburgh, have you spent time in the city beforehand? Or was that your first introduction? That was my first introduction, right? So I knew of some scholars in Pittsburgh, you know. Uh, uh, like you know the Generets, Gretchen Generet, you know who was at who's actually at Duquesne, Duquesne University, uh, but I knew people in the city of Pittsburgh, but I had not spent any uh, you know significant amount of time in the in the city of Pittsburgh. So how was it living in Pittsburgh? I mean, you had you had the different mountains, is different from from um, Nashville. So how, how was how was living in, in Pittsburgh? It was phenomenal, and I I, I can't you know like I I want to be more nuanced than that, but my wife and I talk about it quite quite often. Uh, we were embraced in, uh, well, first of all, you got to remember the time span here. So I was leaving Vanderbilt as a tenured associate professor, uh, having worked very, very hard to get to, you know, promotion and tenure. Uh, and I had all of these conjectures or all of these ideas about how to make education better, right? Uh, but most of it was was teased out or played out in what I wrote, right? So as a researcher, I was constantly, you know, writing articles and writing books and that kind of thing. But the the Center for Urban Education allowed me to first of all build administrative skills, to look beyond myself, to start thinking about helping other people, other professionals, other you know. I was always working with graduate students, but you know to uh, mentor colleagues in ways that I had not previously, but also to think about in an applied way, a way to be able to, to, uh, to work with the city. And so uh, I was able to test many of my, you know, many of the theories that I had been grappling with and, uh, and advancing in my own research. So Pitt gave me an opportunity to say, hey, okay, you're Mr. You, you know, you're Dr. Rich Milner, let me show you what you got, right? And right. it wasn't easy. Let me be clear. Like, yeah. you know, Pitt is not a place for the week. Let me test. Let me just, <laughs> you know, the city held me accountable. Uh, I did my very best to support the city, uh, but beautiful people, you know, they uh, they pushed me, but they also supported me. Uh, I'm thinking about Mother House and, you know, they, they, these folks just went above and beyond to give me a chance. Uh, and we would still be in Pittsburgh. Let me just be clear. Uh, if if it were not uh, a better move for our family, I had opportunities to go to other places. 
while I was at Pitt. Uh, and it would the only way we would have left if it was would would have had to be if it was a it was if it was the, a better fit uh, for my family, which in fact right. uh, moving back to Nashville was and is because my my wife's uh, family lives here in uh, in Nashville. I mean, lives close to Nashville, which right. Is and, and so so you mentioned the beautiful people in Pittsburgh, and so you know Pitt donated office space to OA. So I was on campus all the time, and I felt like I was an honorable, I would like a member of the uh, your team there. You talk about a group of beautiful people. It, it, we may be dicey if we start naming them. Man, just speak to your team there at Pitt. Man, there's some incredible people you had there with you at the center. Absolutely, I I I cannot agree with you more. And and I would definitely say you were an honorary member of the Center for Urban Education. Appreciate you, Doc. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Just, just incredible people. I, uh, I was able to recruit really good people who were committed to the work. And uh, one of my colleagues and I would always say we literally didn't have a trash can when we started the work. So we were able to build that center uh, to be impactful, to do, to do all and 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 more of what we were asked to do. Um, and it becomes about, you know, so you kind of move. Someone asked me um, a few months ago what I, I hope my legacy would be, right? And I'm like, you know, why are you asking me about legacy? I got, you know, I'm not, like, I, hope I, I hope I have a long way to go before I, but, but it was a really important question, right? And sometimes when you're doing the work, you don't even realize what you're doing. You just, you know, for me, I just put my head down and I just do the best I can do, right? And, uh, what I can say is that when I left Vanderbilt and I returned to Vanderbilt, I, I, I had started a program called Learning Diversity and Urban Studies. That program is still a master's program at Vanderbilt. It will be a part of the fabric of Vanderbilt probably for a long, long, long time, right? Uh, it's a legacy for other people to be able to benefit from a, from a program focused on diversity and urban studies. The, at, at the University of Pittsburgh, I believe I've been able to uh, help be, you know, be part of a center that will actually be there forever and ever. So my children's children, my children's children's children visit Pitt. Uh, you know, I might not be mentioned in the history because you know how sometimes these, these institutions, especially these PWIs, will forget us, will forget the contributions that people make. But other times they don't, right? And they'll be able to say, my grandfather, my dad, right, played a role in a in a in an institution or in an organization that was designed to help people, right? And so, uh, so it's not only about what you do individually; it's how you use what you have to create. So, Orange Arrow, right? How how Orange Arrow will be used to impact the lives of young people. For generations, you know, when Matt, you know, for Max's generation, for Max's children, right? One day, Max's children's children, I think, is 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 what uh, this work is about. And it's not even when you're not doing it for that, but right. you realize that, you know, you have the capacity and to use what you got, to use what you have as a as a as a possibility. One of the things I'm most proud of in, in Pittsburgh, because you, know, you know, there are moments when you when I when I felt defeated, right? I felt yeah. like, you know, I'm staying. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm waking up early. I'm staying up late. I'm going to these meetings. I'm sometimes, uh, 
you know, uh, not necessarily connected and there for my, you know, my own family because I'm trying to help, trying to do. And uh, but then there were there were some there were you know from a spiritual perspective like God sometimes would send these moments where you know it would be like you're doing okay right. And I remember being in a meeting and I, it was the first time you know in Pittsburgh they were talking about uh, achievement gaps when I got there right. And uh, one of the things that if you know me and my work, one of my areas of contribution has been really reframing the way we talk about achievement and to opportunity gaps. And I, and I was at a meeting and people started using opportunity gaps. And I was like, that, that to you, that might seem small, but, to, but when I left that city, I don't think I heard anybody, I didn't hear the school board talking about achievement gaps. I didn't hear, you know, those in the community talking about, especially those at the university, we changed the way and that's and I mean that might seem insignificant. That's significant. No, 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 no. That, that's uh, that's solid. That was one of those. That was an evidence space for yeah, me that we were doing something that uh, you know could potentially be impactful. So you're back at Nashville, Vanderbilt. What's your role now? Yeah. So uh, was recruited back to Vanderbilt. Uh, I am now uh, uh, you know uh, again an endowed professor, endowed chair, which I was at Pitt as well. Uh, I, I have started an initiative, an initiative called Initiative for Race Research and Justice. Uh, I don't know if you know Ira Murray. You remember Ira? Yes, I do. Yes. I just recruited Ira to be our associate director for the initiative. So awesome. Ira is coming back into higher ed. I'm excited about that. He'll be moving. His first day is this July 18th. He'll be starting here uh, next week. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, back here doing, uh, you know, doing the work, engaged with uh, doing the best I can at the university, but also in the broader Nashville uh, area and, uh, you know, uh, living the dream in some ways. You know? I love it. I love it. And so as we close, as you know, the mission of Orange Arrows to coach student athletes aim for success off the field, off the track, out of the pool, wherever the playing arena may be. You've been a longtime supporter, a donor, a sponsor. You love college sports. Speak to the importance of an athlete being successful outside their sport slash why the work we do is important. Absolutely. Well, I'll just first congratulate you on all the work you've done over the years. Like I, I have observed, I've watched, like you said, your office was literally across the hall from ours uh, when, uh, when I was at the University of Pittsburgh. So I saw and have observed all the blood, sweat, and tears, and the, the intellectual capital, and and also congratulations on on. Thank on you, all. bro. I would just say uh, that you know this 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 idea of building the networks for young for athletes for you know helping them understand that uh, people outside of uh, of your sport will be um, can be uh, useful and and beneficial. You know, not not saying that you're 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 at a, a, a in a space where you only are asking and receiving as athletes, but really think about every person you meet, every person you interact with, can be a person who might uh, be able to uh, to speak into your life, to to shed light uh, on a situation. Somebody you can call uh, to get insights about you know something that you're grappling with, working with at the university. Uh, be able to make a quick phone call to a, you know, to an administrator 
to, you know, get something worked out for you. So, uh, and I say that across the board. So from the, you know, the custodial staff to, you know, uh, it's what you learn is what you're, what you're, what you're teaching Max and what your parents taught you, right? Like, uh, you know, be very, very careful about how you interact with people um, and really try to, try to be additive and try to speak into the lives of others as, as others are, as you are speaking to the lives of, of, as others are speaking into and, and, and building uh, you up as well. I would also add that there comes a moment in your work and I'm trying to help my, my, my daughters understand this as well. They're not necessarily there yet, but there, but there comes, a, there, there will come a moment in your life where you understand that it is not only about your receiving, but it is about what you give as well, how you contribute as well. And so using what you have, your assets, your strengths, your, your sport as a, as a possibility, people are looking up to you because it takes an incredible amount of discipline to do what you do. So how are you, how are you gonna use what you got, right? To make an impact in the lives of others. Awesome, Rich, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your friendship, your brotherhood. Thank you for your continued support, man. Thank you for your time today, man. My God, appreciate you, Doc. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.